Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Brad. Hey, it's James. We decided to start a podcast about subjects that spark conversations between us. We're not professionals and we don't claim to be, but we will look to get some guests on each week who can shed some light on these areas. Ultimately, we wanted to have an open conversation and hear the thoughts of everyone else about these subjects. And hopefully you guys can learn as we do. This is How Little We Know. (laughs) Hello and welcome to How Little We Know. My name is James. Hello, I am Brad. And we are one half of the band The Vamps. Now, a little bit about us. We are two guys in our 20s. We live in England, and most of the time we're writing songs and touring with the band The Vamps. Yes, yes, yes. Um, a little insight as to what you've tuned into, what you've signed up for. How Little We Know is a podcast that me and James decided to start because between us we have a lot of conversations about subjects that maybe we're not the best informed about, but they are subjects that I think apply to everyone and, uh, and conversations that people will be having especially at our age but all types of people and they're subjects that we'd like to know more about so it's essentially a conversation between me and James to open up to you guys to discuss and debate and to hopefully raise awareness about amongst all of us so throughout the series we're looking to get guests on who can shed some light on areas that most of us probably don't know that much about and we can look to learn together so it's a very much an open debate. Mm, definitely. And I guess, yeah, the reason why is because, as Brad was saying, we chat a lot uh, between you know ourselves and the band. Wherever we are in the world, we tend to have you know a glass of, glass of red wine mm-hmm. and uh, end up talking <laughs> for hours about, about most of the time pointless things. However, we feel that sometimes we stumble upon issues that may genuinely have a little bit of importance as opposed to, I don't know, Call of Duty. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this podcast is... Just something where we want to have a, a leisurely conversation, no expectation as such, but hope that we can learn with you guys at home about issues that are topical and, uh, and yeah, important in society. Yes. So with that in mind, we thought that the first, the first episode that we that we've th- thought we'd start on is kind of social media, and we've mm-hmm. separated this first episode into three chapters haven't we Brad? We have, yeah and this is very much before we go on this is very much an introductory episode so like I said before throughout the podcast we want to hear what you guys have to say we want to hear your opinions we want to take your questions and we want to know how you feel about mm. these subjects so this first episode isn't interactive whatsoever because 
we kind of wanted to let you know what you're getting in for. <laughs> if you want to tune yeah. out, do it now. Do you want to unsubscribe? Yeah. Um, Five star, but then unsubscribe, please. <laughs> um, but this is literally just us skimming over a couple of subjects within social media. It's a huge conversation social media is, but we've kind of picked out three subjects that we want to have a chat about and skim over. And then at the end of the episode, and once you guys have listened, you can give us your feedback, mm. give us your thoughts, and then we can go in a bit more individually about the subjects and, and speak with you guys, whether it's having a call, whether it's taking an email or whether That'd it's getting, getting get someone on. on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we can actually really go in depth on these subjects. But for now, the three chapters, you could say, within this podcast we're going to look at is... How has social media changed social interaction and relationships? Try saying that after a few glasses of red. <laughs> and then uh, we've got expectations versus reality. And I'm hoping that Dean Sherwood, the man, is going to edit in a picture now of Connor on Halloween 2014. <laughs> oh, the so Just good. Jared party. Expectation versus reality. And then the last one is accessibility and censorship. Yes. So there's three topics there that, as Brad said, we're going to sort of dip our toes into and then if you want us to we'll do a full episode on on each of them in later weeks let's do it chapter one yes how has social media changed social interaction and relationships so we're very lucky boys and uh the vamps kind of accumulatively over our personal platforms and the band i think we've got about 10 million followers so the first question is why I don't think we could address that no in the podcast. Idea. It would take weeks to do yeah. that. Uh, but we thought, you know, a great many of those people tweet in and, you know, send us messages and in person, you know, they say that they really feel like they know us and have a genuine connection through their experience with us on social media. So, I mean, like, how, how, how do you feel about that? If, you know, someone coming up to you in a meet and greet and saying, Brad, like, I know, you know, I know all X, Y, and Z about you mm. because I saw this on Instagram, you know, I really feel like I know you. How, your immediate reaction, what is that? Do you feel that people know you from what you very rarely post on Twitter? Uh, firstly, <laughs> yeah, I post about two times every six months, so mm. I'd be very impressed if they know that much about me off my Twitter because it's just non-existent. <laughs> um, I don't really know how I feel. I think it's weird, like, I, I personally very much like to separate my personal life and my public, like, social media life. Mm. I don't really know why I find it easier to deal with, to compartmentalise the two. But, so that's why I, sometimes I find it hard. It's not that I portray myself differently on social media. I'm very much the same person. Mm. It's just what I do in my private life. Private life, I try to keep that a private life. Mm. Um, but when people come up and they say... You know you, it's nice because, and I think social media is amazing for that because you've, there's people who look up to so many people or, like, I know I've got big idols within music that I look up to and I can go onto their Twitter and I feel yeah. like I've got, uh, I'm, I'm viewing a part of them and mm. that as a fan, from a fan perspective, is awesome. So it's nice that they can come up and do that. Mm. But on the other side of it, I think it's quite, it's quite scary thinking that people can find out yeah. so much about you and mm. it's, it doesn't feel intrusive per se but it is a part of your life that you very much want to for me keep private yeah and if these people feel like they know that about me I don't, I don't know how I feel about mm. it really like yeah I mean I, sure. I think I think um, I think for me it's very difficult isn't it because people saying that they genuinely feel that they know you they know they know that little that little glimpse of you mm-hmm. um and I think, and actually, it's, it's interesting, you know, like, asking you, say you post, like, once a month, I don't mm. know, 
do you feel like do do you know anyone on so just solely on social media you personally just from speaking to someone on social media do you feel that you know someone that you've never met that you you follow on a channel you know yeah. i really know them for, Off for the that back person of their, yeah, yeah. Their... and like you know um because because obviously you don't post that much so it'd be so hard I'm wondering for people it'd be yeah i think it, it does entirely depend on what that person puts out and that's the the beauty of it is people can know as much as you want them to know about you unless you've got like stuff that has been like say if you're a celebrity and there's mm. been stories going on about you then people are getting an insight via that but if you're just on social media and you're in charge of your account mm. people can only know as much as yeah, you, you want them out, to yeah. know which is great in a way but you mm. can you, people can put out whatever they want do you know yeah. what I mean they could portray someone who is entirely different to their actual person yeah um, so I think like there's, there's people who I follow who I find like uh, there's a couple of artists when I was growing up who I used to like this guy called Lewis Watson who was mm -hmm. an acoustic artist big up, Lewis, yeah. big up Lewis you're great but he's got a very like uh, certain style of like the way he uses social media accounts mm. and then you meet him in person and it's He's the he's the same guy yeah, who depicts yeah, yeah, the yeah. way he is online, um, and that when I was growing up is when I was like viewing people and I was like oh they're cool I'll check them out and mm. I was a bit more impressionable and I was like so I felt like I kind of got a glimpse into who he was via him tweeting yeah. about his covers and stuff yeah. whereas for someone like me who doesn't tweet that much it's probably harder for people to find mm. out. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think now. You know, I would, I would say. Um, you know, like through the, through the band, we speak to a lot of people solely on social media. So, like, for example, I've never met Alex from the Chainsmokers, but mm -hmm. my sole method of communication with him is like is like texting or liking each other's Instagram or commenting saying he's got a lovely golden retriever. Yeah. So it's he has got a lovely he does it's retriever, great yeah it, very very lovely <laughs> and it's and it's kind of it led me to think about you know I feel that I really like Alex and I would hope that he classes me as a friend because I do for him too but yeah. it made me think about thinking you know a lot of the relationships nowadays are solely based around social media so people don't really actually speak anymore no. and then that led me to think is kind of the image you portray online is that different to how it would be in person so if you think about when you MSN Messenger back in the day, yes. you know, I slayed oh. on that. And it's like, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like, I had time to think about what I was saying. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't like that, I would like delete it, start again. So every single statement I made was calculated. And I kind of removed that sense yeah. of, yeah, I removed that sense of like acting impulsively. Mm -hmm. So I wonder whether... It's, it's almost like, if you're thinking about each decision and each thing you say that much, is it a true representation of who you are? Mm. Because it's, like you say, it's not an impulsive thought and it's not the first thing that's come into your head. Yeah. So I think, like going back to what you said, are people you meet via social media, is it a true depiction of who they are? Mm. Are you building a real friendship? Is it yeah. a real relationship? And is it a true depiction of who you are? Because mm. I know full well that when I was a bit younger, when I was 17, 18, I, the image I portrayed online of who I was was very different to who I really was. Like, mm -hmm. I acted confident. I said things yeah. that I would never dream of saying in real life. Um, and even in the band, you know, I'm quite, um, I'm quite dry humoured as a person. I'm quite sarcastic. I'm quite... He is. <laughs> yeah. And it comes across as rude a lot of the time. And I think a lot of people... Fans and, and people have come up to me 
and have said like, and actually I was speaking to Dean before and he said, you know, a girl came up to him the other day and said, I thought you'd be like more rude in real life. But that's because how she's, she was reading his tweets. Yeah. And I think when you're online, you immediately, you lose all sense of sarcasm. But it's body language. Body language. language. It's It's so important. It's very true that. And that's part of the reason like I, I, you know how bad I am. The first, (laughs) for people who, who don't know, who are tuning in, who don't know anything about the vamps. Um, me and James met via social media, so it's mm. been an integral part yeah, of us from like day one. Um, and I, I'm just really bad at using it. I'm bad at texting. I'm bad at tweeting. I'm bad at Instagram. I'm Why just, do you reckon that is? Why um, are you not into Because I'm I think the polar the, opposite. Yeah, so. you're very good at using it. And I think it's because, for me, I'm 22 now, and I grew up, and I wasn't like glued to my phone because mm. my phone wasn't an iPhone it had Snake on mm. which it was a great game um, but it wasn't so like people didn't need to be on the phones when I was like 13 like we'd play out we'd go and have yeah. genuine interaction yeah, yeah. so as I've grown up and I've had that as like when I was building relationships and friendships it was solely based on a face to face interaction so yeah. for me whenever I speak to people via text like usually I'll call people for yeah, example yeah, 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 like I, I, if someone texts me about something mm. I can't be asked to text them I'll ring them and I'll speak to them about it over a text mm. because for me it's a truer I can get a truer indication of what that person's trying to say and you can hear I can hear the, the inflections. inflections on their voice yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's, and if you can have a that person's like you say not thinking about their text for five minutes before yeah. before they send it to me so I can have an actual conversation mm-hmm. with them. Um, Twitter, I'm just lazy. I just don't use that. <laughs> but like texting and stuff, I genuinely prefer having a conversation with someone because I'm getting a truer representation yeah. of what they mean. That that that's the, good. Over a phone call. Yeah, because because you imagine like I I almost feel like sometimes when you're on social media because it can be so orchestrated sometimes I like my tweets my Instagram like how long do I know that people yeah. listening they'll spend ages finding oh. out that perfect tweet to say or the perfect caption. thing or, yeah caption so important but it's almost like you freeze time and it's like I, I was speaking to Dean again before and it's like you imagine that in real life if you have the ability if we're speaking now for me to just pause it and be like think about right what, what I want to say what am I going to say it's almost like we we build ourselves into being something that we're not, which is what you were saying, um, yeah. which I, I, I find that interesting in itself. But I also like ask whether whether people almost like hide behind their phones, like it's like an invisible kind of protective curtain, I guess, that can hide insecurities and impurities and whether that's a good thing or not, you know, yeah. who knows? Um, but it's, it's almost like I was thinking before, it's almost like social media can be like a natural selection process almost because you, you yourself say, you know, like, oh, I don't like this about myself. I'm not going to say that on social media. So yeah. everything that you put on social media is, like, it's... the best of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, and, and I think that's interesting. I, I wonder whether it kind of has a negative effect on how we view ourselves as people because we immediately remove the negativity in our lives to portray that kind of perfect So it's almost thing. like what you're social media account is is your ideal image of yourself mm, yeah, yeah, that definitely. you're putting out there yeah. without the you're trimming the fat so yeah, to speak yeah, to well, put out 100%. your best version of yourself and then like you say is that and then the people you meet through that 
how are you to verify why they like you? And we were yeah. speaking earlier about like relationships that have formed off the back of like social media. And I was out the other day, I just went for some food with some friends and we looked across and, and like none of my mates really use the phone that much, like especially when we're out for food, we'll just like have a chat. Yeah. And there was a couple who were sat across from us and we were all like, they literally haven't said a word to each other. Mm. They've both been sat on the phone, yeah, yeah. they ate the food, probably Instagram the food. Taking a selfie, taking best a selfie. night ever. Amazing and then, conversation. Yeah. And we yeah. were saying, there's like couples that we know that will literally, you see them in person and they don't get on, they don't speak. No. But if you were to go on their Instagram, it'd be like they're the best, yeah. Yeah. they're the best couple you've ever seen. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, are they, is the reason that those kind of people are together because of the people that they saw on Instagram mm. is different to the people that actually met in person and it's such a yeah. funny... It's a weird one, isn't yeah. it? But at the same time, um, we were again speaking before and like I think that social media offers an outlet for those who perhaps are slightly underconfident in in real life situations you know if you yeah. say you're isolated in school because you don't you don't really you're not really into fit things in that people are you don't yeah. fit in there are people online that you can connect with and you don't have to muster up the courage in the same way online as you do in, in person so but then that that sorry to interrupt, no. but that like confidence that you gain through social media could then leak into your actual life, and then people will exactly. see it and in, like, oh, she started to become really confident. He started to yeah, come out of yeah. the shell a bit more because you've had this reinforcement of positivity online, and you've met someone online who you both get on. So then yeah. it, that is an amazing thing, I think, and another benefit yeah, yeah, of social yeah. media I'm, is that friendships like through our happened. band. That's what I was going to yeah. say. It's like you can put something on. Say, say a girl that perhaps doesn't really fit into a group at school says, oh, I, I like I like the Vamps on her Twitter. God knows why. God knows why, yeah, help that girl. <laughs> but then, like, someone from, someone from within a year at school that's never spoken to her could have seen that and been like, I like the Vamps too. Yeah. And God, that's two of them. Yeah. Help you yeah. both. But <laughs> there's ways that social media can actually have positive effects with regards to friendship in real life, I think. So yeah. it's important to, to look at that. Um, but I think... I think it might be interesting to, to move on to chapter number two at this rate. Yes. So let's take a quick break. What's up, everyone? We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Feel free to get involved. Tweet us on at how little we know and we'll try and include you in next week's episode. Let's get back to it. Chapter two. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, remember to drop us a tweet at how little we know on Twitter. And again, we'll be going back into these subjects at a later date in more depth and we'll be including your guys' thoughts and opinions. So, chapter two, the subject is expectations versus reality. Picture again, just for you guys. It's my favourite picture of all time. The best. (laughs) If you're ever feeling down, look at that photo. (laughs) And the best thing is, like, I don't don't think Connor liked it when we laughed because he was... He thought he looked the bomb. (laughs) From my memory of the night, it did look amazing. That was the thing. (laughs) Oh, God. So, yeah, as Brad was just saying, you know, we, we briefly chatted about, you know, you always know those people that sat there on their phones not talking. Um, and it's kind of like I was thinking it, it, that fear of missing out or FOMO for a FOMO is an actual thing now, thing, isn't man. it? FOMO, yeah. I heard this the other day on on a radio station that I listened to, and I'd never heard of it before. But it's becoming more and more real, isn't it? I think there is a genuine fear of missing out of stuff, and and it's not even anything. I'm guilty of it. I will spend like even this morning. Someone had a go at me. I, we were like, you know, I was, I was sat there on my phone just flicking through my feed. 
whilst someone was trying to have a conversation with me, yeah. I was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. What am I doing? Um, and I don't know what I was doing, but it becomes an addictive habit that's going over and over. And I think that it genuinely has a, an effect on on people. I, yeah. I don't think it's just me. I think it is a genuine thing, isn't it? We all, I mean, you're very lucky that it doesn't seem to... No, I, I still, I, I, I know I seem quite detached from my phone, but I still do get it. And I think it's very much like you say, a consequence of people being so attached to their phone. And mm. I think I don't, I'll try and think back to when I was like 12 and like my generation, my mates, we weren't glued to our phone. Mm. Was, was FOMO a thing? Was it like Absolutely that? Absolutely not. I don't know if it, it wasn't. Was, you know, yeah. it might have been like you had to watch Coronation Street to make sure that, you know, Kevin didn't die or something. And it's <laughs> like, and that's what it was then. Yeah. But yeah. I think. You know, watching TV back then for us growing up, I mean, we sound like, what, 60, do you? I mean, like, you know. I know, but we're trying not to sound like 80-year-old <laughs> men here. But. <laughs> but, but back then, it was, you'd watch the episode, you'd feel something, an emotion, cool. You'd turn off the TV, you'd go to bed, play some PlayStation, whatever, read a book, God, I don't know, oh, uh, and then you'd sleep and that would be it. But I think it's changed now, and there's a statistic here that I wrote down before, that proves that this kind of FOMO and constant desire to be on social media is genuinely having an effect on on our, our, our youth of today, and we're in this age bracket. Yeah. So I'll just read this out here. So the Royal Society for Public Health, RSPH for short, and also the Youth Health Movement, YHM for, sure. for short, they conducted a survey of 1,500 people aged between 14 and 24 in the UK. Now, the survey asked them to score... Uh, how each of the social media platforms they use impacts among 14 health and well-being related issues which were identified by experts as being the most significant. Now the results are quite interesting. Uh, so YouTube tops the table as being the most pos positive mm -hmm. uh, whilst Instagram and Snapchat are coming out as being actually the most detrimental to young people's mental health and well-being. So before we go into that, that's scientific proof that this yeah. is a real thing it's having an effect it's having that. an effect and it's having an effect that you know we didn't know seven years ago so that's that's crazy but yeah. why why do you <clears throat> think that that firstly why, why do you think that instagram and and snapchat are are in that in that region of the chart as opposed to ones like youtube what yeah. do you reckon the difference well, is james asked this question to me but also to you guys so yeah, definitely. let us know what you think and why you think it is. My my first like reaction to it is Instagram and Snapchat, amazing platforms, but they're very much like snapshots and and very little insights into people's lives. Mm. So you're getting a 15 second clip on Snapchat, yeah. a photo on Instagram, and because of the instantaneous nature and the like, how little of it you're seeing, you can kind of put anything on there and it can be portrayed. So like if you're going through a full Instagram, yeah. they are just snapshots into someone's life and they're just photos, they're just little 15 tweets, second clips, tweets, yeah. Yeah. but it, tiny moments. So I think the detrimental nature of that is that people are portraying something that isn't achievable on there. So you're seeing 0.1 second of someone's day throughout a 24-hour day. YouTube, I think, is... Because of vlogging, for example, like mm -hmm. I've never watched that many vlogs, but I know you were yeah, doing yeah, it for a yeah. bit. And I think you're getting an insight in someone's life that's a bit more representative, yeah. truly. So people are watching that and they're going, oh, like, 
he's had an interaction there with someone and like maybe he's tripped up there. You're just getting a more like true representation. So people are like taken away from that. Oh, I do that sometimes mm. rather than viewing a model on Instagram that's got the perceived perfect yeah. body or an absolute henched bodybuilder yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. that can be the things that kind of demoralise people I know I look on there and I'm like Jesus I need to be like six foot I'm only five <laughs> foot seven I'm only little but like that I think because it's just such a small moment mm. it can be quite demotivating for people and people can be like oh I'm just going to give up now <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not yeah, going to try yeah. and go to the gym because I'll never get that yeah and, and also the, the YouTube uh, I suppose you're adding in those things that we were saying were lacking in the first chapter so you can hear when someone's sarcastic yeah yeah you yeah you know you can hear kind of the upwards inflection you know you can you can see hear, their body language see their body language yeah. and you can hear emotion so perhaps that's why you know you get you get longer with, with people on on YouTube than perhaps Instagram and you can't really you know apart from like makeup and stuff you can't really touch up and edit a picture you know you no. can't edit a whole video like that so perhaps that's why you know what's interesting as well that i just thought about as well is that a lot of these i was speaking to my mother about it two nights ago mm. and we were speaking about vlogging uh, and i know that like my sister follows a few vloggers um and like uh, people that we know who were speaking about follow a few vloggers um and I was saying how that like I, we know we're friends with vloggers. Oh we're yeah, friends, I watch them. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. friends. I said friends. Friends. <laughs> we're friends with people who are big on Instagram and Snapchat and blah blah blah. And what the people who we're very lucky that we get an insight into that industry um, because it can it can open up kind of like the the behind the scenes of mm. it. But to people who don't know about that, that one Instagram photo you see, that one fifteen second Snapchat that you see. They've done about 50 takes, yeah. do you know what I mean? They've yeah, done yeah, so yeah. many takes to get that right and to, uh, and to get the image that they want across of them. And so this is going back to the expectation versus reality. That isn't just a candid photo that they've no, taken on a beach. That's or the a best list. they can get that is like, That's work for them. Yeah, that's how yeah. they're earning their income. And that's like, I've got, to, I've got to work and make this video as good as it can be. So yeah. where it can demoralise some people, you've got to realise that this isn't just how people are, mm. this is someone working to make yeah. a video or an Instagram photo or a Snapchat video as good as it can be so yeah. that when you watch it, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. But that's not their actual No, work. exactly. Like we, we've had people that have come up to me and said, oh, you're so tall. I didn't think you'd be that tall. Or I've even had, never I've, had that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was like 17 and I thought I had absolutely made it. It was before the band and I, I paid like 100 quid for a professional photo shoot. And I was like, going to get it touched up. I remember that photo. I had an amplifier. <laughs> I had a checkered top. I was like, I've made it. I've literally made it. And I, remember I went to a house party on New Year's Eve. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm a rock star. Like, my space was through the roof. You know what I mean? And, and a girl came up to me and she was like, you look nothing like you do in your pictures. And I remember it hit me like a yeah. bloody train. I was like, <laughs> but you know, like, now looking back, it's just like, I, I get that because I was so like I love the photo shoot because I was like that's got all Doesn't the, look the best lighting yeah. and that's just not real but you know whilst we're speaking about that side of thing and like the psychological effect of expectation versus reality on social media platforms I think it's really important to briefly look at physical health too now Brad and I aren't trained or qualified in this area at all so I went on I went on Google and I just looked at a couple of reports and there's one here that particularly kind of like sparks a bit of interest in me. Um, so in 2011, there was a study from the University of 
Hafa? Hafa? Uh, they examined 248 young women from the ages of 12 to 19. So, you know, similar sort of age to where we are, but female. Uh, and they found that the more exposure to social media, uh, the m- sorry, yeah. I can't talk. <laughs> they found that more exposures to social media contributed to higher rates of eating disorders and related concerns. Specifically, the more time these young women spent on Facebook, the more likely they were to struggle with bulimia, anorexia, physical dissatisfaction, negative physical self-image, negative approach to eating, and more of an urge to be on a weight loss diet. So, that indicates that to a lot of, you know, they examined nearly 250 people. Mm, yeah. And in that, their use of social media encouraged them. So there's a... There's a to, to, yeah, there's a positive correlation, correlation between yeah. the, the, the amount of looking on social media to these, these illnesses. Yeah. And that, that's quite scary, actually, because... Scary, yeah. You know, I, I do it all the time. I, I flick through Instagram aimlessly, and I think that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, we're all, always looking through. We're always there. But the reality is that if we're not, you know, if we're not conscious of this, then it can lead to things. You know, these social media platforms are platforms of, of aspiration and achievement for many people. And I think it's important for us to recognise, as we were just saying, that everything people see on there is not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Um... For for example, I I was friends with with a girl a few years ago now who was an Instagram model. model that, yeah, yeah. In, in, I don't know, you know. Uh, and when I first saw her on Instagram, I was like, "Wow, like awesome! This is great! This is perfect!" You know, I was into fitness; she was into fitness. Great, we're compatible. Awesome. But you know, she quick she quickly told me that like the pressure to adhere to that perfect Instagram goals physique and that those pictures and the lighting and being on the beach and in a bikini and you know she said that that just wasn't her she was like I literally lie I put a mask on to be this person so you know these girls and guys are looking at these accounts thinking this is achievable this is easy this is you know the dream that person wants to be that I want to be that too they aspire to replicate the, the path that they've taken and I think it's it's so important for us to to recognise that, especially when like these these illnesses, you know, bulimia and anorexia, like there's a positive correlation between them. It's important to recognise that the goals they're trying to they're striving to achieve, the people that are portraying those goals and, and desires, them themselves are Currently, against it yeah. and they can't <laughs> achieve it. Yeah, it's a lie to, to a lot of those people. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that that's something that's generally accepted between us. I do it. I'm all the time looking at fitness accounts thinking I wish I looked like that guy well the reality is everyone does it because like going back to what we said everyone puts up in their head the best version of themselves on social media so you can't begrudge these Instagram accounts for doing it because people who don't have any followers do it as well everyone Mm, everyone does it it. but it's the influence that those accounts have over people so it's the fact that like you say these kids uh, it's leading 248 young women onto bulimia, anorexia, physical dissatisfaction. Like, that's the reality of it. So it's more kind of like the accounts that have influence. It's about making sure that their depiction is a true, achievable one. Yeah. Because some people nowadays are taking verified accounts on whatever platform it is as their gospel. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, I'm going to... Like, I did a 
this is random, but like there's a guy I follow on Instagram who's mm. a does workouts. I did my workout off the back of Best his workouts yeah. because I thought he's in good shape. He's done that workout. Yeah. I'll I'll follow that. But how am I to know if he's a qualified trainer? If yeah. he the reality is I don't. He's he might have done steroids for six months. Exactly. <laughs> no. But I'm I'm following his workout in the hope that I'm going to end up mm. looking like him. Not really, but that's what. Some people, it's that's what they put mm. together in their minds. I think he looks like that. He's put up a video like that. If I follow it, it'll happen. Yeah. And it's not six pack in three seconds. Man. I mean, but then again, right? Just, just side point. I've just thought about that. There are genuine times where that can be beneficial. So it's almost like an escapism. We were speaking again before. A lot of people use social media to go through Instagram and think, right, that guy's got, for example, a Ferrari. His Instagram says he got that Ferrari by going to university or whatever or setting up his own business, working every day for years. Look, this is a video where he talks about yeah. this is my time at uni, blah, 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 or you know, I set up this business on the market on a Sunday. And it shows that progression and it shows that if you do this, you, you can strive to achieve this if you work hard. Or putting it into your context, um, you know, I, I was very lucky to, to be on the Teen Awards panel. There's a, a lovely guy called Harrison who his whole Instagram is his transition from uh, kind of not really knowing too much about health and fitness to, to kind of applying that to his life. So his whole channel is about eating healthy, but achievably healthy right. and, you know, working out. And so I think, I think there's, there's a way of doing it, you know. Social media can be inspirational and productive mm-hmm. in some instances, you know. Like, oh, a lot. I think... I think it, <laughs> We speak about, like, uh, it might feel like we spoke about the negatives, but there is a, there's so many upsides to it. And there's, like you say, leading on from what you said, there is accounts that are truly representative yeah. of if you put in this work, you, you will get this out yeah. of it. And young kids, like you say, are looking at social media as a, as a new information stream. And if they're getting the right information that's, that's achievable, then it's such a positive influence. But it's just about finding the right channels that are influencing the kids in the right way and there's like we were speaking about the vloggers earlier there's some vloggers that I know that are and you know that are very much themselves online and and they're the guys that we've met and we've thought you know what actually you are who you are online and there's some people that are putting out the right image but it's just about seeing through the accounts that are leading people into the the thought that they can achieve that off a two week workout yeah, and yeah, you're exploiting that those that generation that's so invested in social media. Yeah, definitely. Chapter three: accessibility and censorship. Now, carrying on from what Brad was saying about how a lot of people nowadays kind of are basing everything around what they're learning on social media, I thought it'd be interesting to just see like the extent of how many phones there are in the world. Uh, Because when we were younger, you know, we got a phone when we were maybe 14, and that was it. So, I had a little bit of a Google, and uh, according to the GSMA intelligence, there are now 7.19 billion gadgets in the world, and that is more gadgets in the world than there are people. Now, that's crazy, isn't it? Because, you know, when we were 11, 12, 13... There was perhaps one computer, two if you were very lucky, in the house that was on a dial-up connection, which meant that you couldn't go on the internet when your mum was on the phone. And 
you know, you played Space Invaders, Pac-Man, and then... RuneScape. You had was, RuneScape? I had RuneScape, yeah. Well, me and my f- mate, Ryan. Big well, up Ryan. Three years ahead of me. I didn't even have... Re- I had Pac-Man <laughs> when I was about seven, eight. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Oh, what, were you seven, eight? Well, I don't know. That sort of goes. But, <laughs> but, I mean, that just in itself, you know, we're talking about a couple of games here. If we fast forward to, to where we are now, you know, seven billion devices... According to the RSPCC, one in three internet users are children now, so it's obvious that there's a hell of a lot more devices that are accessible to people. You can get a smartphone for, what, 50 quid yeah. nowadays. It's, it's got to a point where technology and social media is arguably unavoidable for people. Um, yeah, how, how old were you when you got your phone? Like, what, 12, um, like, I was 14? probably 12, 13, and I, I got a phone that you could text on. Um, if your fingers were minute because they had tiny little buttons and then it had snake on um, and it was literally the only reason I mean you'd have to do uh, uh, pay as you go contract so you'd be monitoring every text that you sent 10 quid token yeah um, and it was like you'd only text to find out if your mate was at the co-op so you could go and meet him Um, but like you say you've gone from I think what's really crazy is the fact that everything that we spoke about, about having three games on your computer yeah. and it being in the dining room and your parents giving you an hour a night to play mm. on it, within seven years, like yeah. it's, it's, it's how quickly it's changed, yeah. which is amazing in so many, so many ways that we spoke about, but it's just, it's, it's hard to keep up. And even us, like the 22, 24, mm. like... I feel out of the loop at times. Like yeah. there's, there's new apps that come up, and like there's bands that we know who are a bit younger than us who say, "Oh, we've just been getting like hits on this," and I'm like, "I literally yeah. don't know what new that app is." Yeah, smash yeah. it, good lads. Like, and we, even though we're only what five or six years older, it's almost like the the world changes every so quickly, every new yeah. time a phone comes out. Um, carry on. Sorry, you gonna say something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, yeah, I'll give you another that. statistic because yeah, this on. one is actually kind of crazy. Uh, so after we figured out there was, uh, what, 7 billion devices in the world, I kind of carried on. I was thinking, well, there's 7 billion devices, but what does that mean with regards to children? Because obviously we were saying we were, what, 12, 13, phone that had two games, text. You had about four texts a week because you couldn't afford the, the thing. Yep. Uh, so I was like, okay, what, what have kids got nowadays? So according to the 2010 survey by Kaiser Family Foundation... Twice as many children have cell phones now as when, you know, it was 2004. Yeah. So 2004 was probably when we were getting our phones-ish, maybe yeah, slightly, yeah, slightly yeah. before. Yeah. So that's doubled in that amount of time. And 85% of those aged 14 to 17 have cell phones. So 85%. So when I was 14, I was one of the lucky ones out of my friendship group. Most of my friends didn't have a phone. It's completely turned on its head at that age. But what gets kind of... Slightly more interesting is when you kind of go to the younger ages. So 69% of 11 to 14-year-olds have phones. And this one is the craziest, I think. Mm. 31%, so almost a third of children aged 8 to 10 have mobile phones. Which and is, that's not just like a snake phone. That could be an it's iPhone. A com- it's a computer you know? in your hand, basically. Yeah. But as well, in addition to that, you've got... When, you, when we were younger, if you didn't have the latest Beyblade... Mm. Oh, dude. You, you, were, you were, you were, yeah. Outcast. You may as well have just stayed in the lunch hall. But, and, and you'd be like ostracised from the group because you yeah. haven't got the Beyblade Arena and you can't complete. Yeah, oh, dude. But now it's like if you haven't got 
the newest iPhone and you're not in you weren't in the latest like Facebook group and you weren't chatting on the latest mm. message. You didn't know like, about the party on the weekend because you weren't on the group. You're just completely left behind. So then you've got yeah. kids who are coming to their parents who are like, I feel like we're speaking like 65 year old men. We're trying not to sound like really old here, but it, that's the reality is that kids are getting this access to all this information at such mm. a young age, partly because it's become accepted, but partly because if you don't have it, yeah, you won't keep up and you'll FOMO. FOMO, back Our new to favorite FOMO. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is that though, isn't it? Yeah. It's the. I remember that the only way that I was able to get a phone is because I was like, oh, my friend Ben's got a phone, mum. Like, can I have the Sendo? Sendo, have you ever Sendo, heard of that? Sendo, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, have you heard of Sendo? <laughs> Doubt it. But the repercussions of not having a Beyblade yeah. was so much more minimal than not having an iPhone. Because it was, what, three or four friends? It was three that, or four that you friends. Let down, or, it, yeah. You know. And as well, it was like, if you don't have a Beyblade, what's the impact on your actual life? Mm. There's none. If you have an iPhone, your world is just, it's gone from like this minute thing yeah. to... <clears throat> massive and you like going back to the header of this episode accessibility and censorship you have access to everything literally everything um i i i mean it 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 scares me a lot because i mean i keep on thinking my sister's like 10 years old she's 17 now but i know that you know in in five years i'd like to have children and i was on again just on a browser page before and it took me like three clicks to get to a public execution and there was nothing saying like what you're about to see is you know disturbing there was nothing where I had to verify my age there was nothing restricting me from viewing that page that video and what's scary is that we go back nearly a third of kids age 8 to 10 have a phone they can get on those websites very quickly and that is terrifying for me. I would hate yeah. to think that my seven-year-old daughter can look at that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's enabling our, our younger children to access things that we didn't view until we were like, what, 18? We were, of, we were yeah, and we were <laughs> of an age that you weren't as impressionable. Mm-hmm. You kind of knew how the world worked and you'd been raised. Like, I think... The consensus, like, we're very lucky, uh, the lads in our band and us, that we've had a very strong family influence from an early age, um, and we grew up in an era that wasn't so dominated by social media. Not that that's a bad thing. Like, maybe we missed out not being in an era that was so dominated by social media, but because of that, we we were very family-influenced, and we had our social groups around us, and that was our influences, and that's where you draw your moral compass, and that's where you build your personality from. And and one of the things we keep saying is so is social media and is the internet becoming the third parent. Yeah. So you're building your moral compass, you're building everything that goes on to be your personality in later life mm. off social partly social media. Mm. And then it goes back to the validity of in- information on social media. Yeah. And <clears throat> y- like we say, you can't verify it. You can't stop a kid at the moment from being three clicks away from something as horrible as a public execution and what effect does that have on their Mm. mental state and how will it influence them moving forward so I mean like we said in the beginning this is a discussion we don't know the answer to these things but it's just scary to think that at a young age uh, uh, between 8 and 10 30% of kids Mm. are getting a phone which will then 
ultimately affect the way that they view the world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But what what would what would you say to someone that that comes along and says the world is moving so fast technologically? What what would you say if someone said it's impossible to avoid it? And what would you say if someone said what's the problem with that? Because you've said a couple of things, but would you, would you rather, if you had a child now and he was 10, would you rather him not be on social media at all? Or not 10, but like, um, I don't know, 14. Yeah. What would you do if your son came to you and said, Brad, all of my friends are on social media, like they're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all that. This is great. I'm missing out on this. What would you say now to, to, to them that once um, you're on social media, you're 14, that's, you know, being victimised for not being on it. Yeah. Um, it's a hard one because I felt like in my, like, growing up as a kid, you almost went through tears that kind of preserved the ignorance of youth. So yeah. you kind of had this, uh, and I think a lot of people of our age and above had that, where you were very much kept in your bubble of being yeah, a youthful person and a young person and you weren't exposed to these things because people wanted you to enjoy the naivety of youth. Mm. And like yeah. I remember when computers got introduced at my school, it was like you'd learn about, there was like traffic lights, so how to turn, it was like really yeah, yeah, weird, yeah. like yeah. very basic <laughs> stuff. And, and I think that preserved so that there was transitional stages within your life and I think those things that were traditionally like the the exposure to I don't know safe sex for example mm. like which is quite a big topic to speak about yeah, the exposure yeah. of that is well, there was a conversation about that when I was sixteen mm. at school and you heard that through your teacher before through a you viable heard it source yeah, yeah through someone who had verified the information and there was things like verified information that went out to teachers that would then portray it in the best way possible to students so mm. they could learn about it now kids have got a phone and they know about those kind of things when they're like 11. Before that's but, and, and, yeah. but they're not told it and they're not presented it in a way that is like, this is what it is, this is the repercussions of it, this is the benefits, this is the downsides. They're just mm. given it and they're yeah. like almost told to formulate their own opinions, which you can't do. Yeah. And like, I'm not trying to sound like a old man saying in my day, but <laughs> like that, that is the general that is what social media does there's and no I, information around it is that i was thinking just then as you said that it's like you go into like a lift and instead of going to like the first floor learning your bit second floor through the, the years team. you go straight to like the yeah. penthouse and you're like this is it yeah this is what's happening in wherever this is what happens between a man and a woman and you're yeah. like 10 years old and yeah. you're like what's that yeah and you don't know what to make from it no and, and this is where like should how information is presented to kids in schools be applied to the internet? Should there be, mm. like you say, should there be a first floor, a second floor? Mm. Should your age depict what you are allowed to see on mm. social and media? Is that possible? Is that possible? Like, uh, I don't know, do you mm. know what I mean? But, yeah. but going back to the effect it has on them kids... I think it has that third parent thing that we yeah. all speak about. Yeah, and it actually, um, it, I think it skews kind of one's perception of expectation with things. So, you know, I don't want to be like vulgar, but you look at adult videos and that is the expectation for relationships. 
And a 14-year-old guy and a 14-year-old girl might look at that and think, that is what I want on the basis of my relationship. That is well, what that's is how it's done. Socially that's acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Reality is that is not true. It's actors. Or, you know, it's, it's everything, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of relevant to what we were saying, expectation versus reality. But it kind of skews almost the morality of, of someone's perception of life um, mm. by being susceptible to things before they are arguably capable of acknowledging and learning that. It's yeah. almost like they're being presented, they're like opening like Pandora's box at the wrong, the wrong age, but yeah. what's inside is wrong. Like, well, what's inside is just information. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not biased. It's not wrong. It's just information. So it's mm. not like these kids are given the wrong stuff, the right stuff. They're just given it all. Yeah. So for them, it's like, I think it just entirely depends on, it's on a kid by kid basis, but like they, there's no verification. There's no mm. like information stream online that is the right way to do it for no. young children. It's just information in your face, take from that for what you will. Yeah, and that's yeah. where you can see people falling into the wrong, like going back to the friendship thing mm. online, people can meet like-minded people online, but whether it's the right set of values, mm. whether it's the right kind of views that people are falling into online, it's just, it's all there. It's an open... there's no third party, is it? There's no like real life parents. You know, like when you bring like, your, when you were like in first school, you bring like your friend back from school that you'd met. And it would, my mum's definitely, uh, you know, this sort of person. Pick up Gary. Yeah, either lovely, great, great, wonderful, or like, oh, I'm not sure, I don't know. And it's like, and that sounds horrible because, you know, children are lovely. But like sometimes you don't gel with someone in the same way as others. Yeah. There's no third party there warning you or guiding you with these relationships online. Yeah. Because if a kid's sat in his bedroom looking at something... There's no one there on his shoulder saying, "That's not the right oh, thing." Oh, James, you shouldn't be looking at that yeah. at your age or at any age. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of they are the ones that are making their decisions, you know, ill-informed, make, make, yeah, ill-informed decisions, perhaps far too young than when they should be. You know, I would say that no seven-year-old should be looking at things that are you know adult nature yeah. at all. Why? Like, what's yeah. the point? Um, on the flip side to that, though. I think the nature of the openness of social media mm. has instigated a real accepting, like the generation below us and our generation, I think as well, are very like because of this access to information and this like diverse cultures that are all online. People are just exposed to it, and mm. they and they are told that it is everything is equal, and it's all the right way to be, and there's no wrong or right. Yeah. So I actually think that, in fact, it, it, it implements less discrimination amongst mm. younger generations because they're just like they're given this information, and none of it is portrayed in a way that is bad, yeah. because of maybe older generations perceiving certain. Colours, creeds, yeah. like sexual orientations to be the wrong way. <clears throat> Nothing is the wrong way on social yeah. media. So it means that these kids are seeing everything and there's a real lack of discrimination, which is amazing, I think. Mm. And I think it's so good that everyone's so open-minded and there's no small-minded nature and people are just given this platform that opens them up and says this is the world and this is how it works and don't think that there is a wrong and right. So on the flip side of yeah. this, maybe there, maybe there should be an age at which people have presented that information, but mm-hmm. the reality of the openness of information is that 
it doesn't discriminate. Yeah, definitely. And it's like putting it to, to personal experience. You know, I was in my teens before I went. I, I grew up in Dorset, and um, for those who don't know, and in my teens it was, you know, it was a long time before I went to school with people from different ethnicities and different groups and different religions. You know, in first school there would be like, a child that wouldn't sing in the hymns and I had no idea. I was like, well, I don't know what this is. I've got no yeah. idea. And it was, it was quite a negative environment for me because I, you know, I didn't know any, any better. But now my sister, who's whatever, six or seven years younger than me from, for the past three years or so, she's been completely open to different religions, races, you know, uh, gender, sexuality, as you were saying. And that's, I think educated her in a really good way in comparison to me. I was quite, like, you know, like sheltered from my, nothing, nothing against my parents, but just where I grew up and the lack of that kind of global acknowledgement and... Diversity. Yeah, and diversity. Yeah. I didn't know. So I think, you know, setting up our, our younger generations with that mindset of people are different around the world. People are yeah. into different things. They look different. Social media has to be kind of given a bit of a pat on the back for that because yeah. that it's definitely helped in that, you know, like yeah. you, my, my sister, you know, is really into, you know, bands and, and, and guys that are like homosexual, for example. And when I was like 12, like I, I honestly didn't know about that. I just yeah. didn't. And, yeah. and I wish sometimes that I had had the education that social media had provided to me from an earlier age. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting just kind of flipping on its head, you know, and yeah. like where yeah. do you draw the line of what's, what's good and what's bad about social media? I think that's a good place to end it. Right, there yeah, you because go. I think these are conversations and these are subjects that we will chat about all day, but we don't know that much about. No so idea. Uh, moving forward, we will look to get people on who are very well informed and can make us all aware. The listeners, mm. us two up here, and everyone. Yeah, hopefully we can look to learn together and move forward together. And I don't know if there is an answer to any of the questions that we're posing. Who knows? But at least we can gain an understanding. Yeah. Um, we encourage people to tweet in, obviously, as well, because like, if anything that mm-hmm. we've spoken about here spurred a thought or you want to comment, then uh, make sure to tweet us at how little we know. Uh, and we'll, we'll definitely kind of um, relook at kind of the tweets and stuff in, in the next episode for this episode. We kind of want this to be a, a fluid transition between mm-hmm. episodes in the hope that throughout the series we're able to kind of open up the conversation with you guys because that's the whole idea of this we want to kind of get your opinion and learn together together yes. so a massive thank you to, uh, to Dean Sherwood for being here behind the camera for, Cheers, for however long this is a massive <laughs> thanks to Road Microphones for, for picking up our voices and uh, who else should we thank uh, Airbnb for providing this lovely location we good thank you very much uh, thank you James McVeigh thank you Bradley Simpson <laughs> 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 this has been How Little We Know. We hope you've enjoyed it. Remember to tweet in and we'll see you soon. Yeah, peace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.